Suicide Puppets is bringing us some new tracks. Their cover of Golden Earrings Twilight Zone is happening right now, followed by Veritas Suicide, one of my best friends in the fucking world. Well, doing Psycho of the Week. Actually, it's a uh, Psycho Manifesto of the Week. Enjoy!
Minefielders and Puppet Army, it's once again that time of the year. It is October, and once again time for Psycho of the Week. I invited Suicide to bring you this week's Psycho. We're going to do things a little differently this year. We're going to read letters and manifestos from our favorite psychos. This week we're going to cover the Axeman of New Orleans. And this is a letter that he wrote to the local newspaper. Hottest Hell, March 13th, 1919. Esteemed mortal of New Orleans, the Axeman. They have never caught me, and they never will. They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with the blood of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am in a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they have been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise, and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the Angel of Death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15, early time, on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I've just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the worth of my native Tartus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fantasy. The Axeman. Good to be back for Halloween, guys. Here's issue 154. Tony Morales, Joshua Michael, tuning in with the best comic books, the best reviews, the best psychoanalysis of everything wrestling. Here we go, 154, babies. Guys, welcome to Minefields. Mr. Tony Morales, good evening. Good, good evening to you, good sir. Good Mario to you. Good dynamite to you. Yeah, it was all right. It was, it was, ball and show. It was fun. Before we start, I do want to say that I am enjoying one of my favorite snacks for the first time in almost two and a half years. What snack would that be? That would be some sliced pickles. I'm eating an actual Van Holten's Hot Mama. You know the pickles you get at the gas station? There's the Big Daddy. Yes, I, and there's I've the, heard of them. And there's the Hot Mama. Well, during COVID, when everyone lost their GD mind, and uh, whatever, they changed the name to just Hot Pickle. 
is back to Hot Mama. It's been one of my favorite snacks since I was a little boy. You get the big old pouch with the, uh, you know, you go to the movie theater and they, they give you the pouch and they cut it open. Uh, I actually made one of those yeah. guys. They poured the, at one time these guys opened it up and they poured the, the, the juice out. I'm like, what did you just do? And he's like, I'm pouring the juice out. Now you're opening another one. You're putting the juice in a cup and you're putting the pickle in another one. <laughs> um, but this is an official Hot Mama. Back again, baby. Happy about it. Mm. Nice, nice. Mm. Yeah, 154. Happy to see you, man. What do you want to start yeah, at? Nice to be seeing you, man. Freaking. I know you're, you're the one with the list. You got all the. I got the list. We're trying, trying to weed you into this list thing. Make you, make you a list man. Oh, this list thing is kind of killing me, man. I know where I want to start. Better. It's better for everybody. Trust me. I, I, no. I don't know where I'd be without a good list. It's been helping me at work. Don't get me wrong. Freaking, I want to talk about the hunt abiding. Me and my old okay. Man, me and my old man. Um, he got a appendicitis. His appendix burst. He's laid out for a while, and all of a sudden, he wants to go to Best Buy. Go to Best Buy. He's buying all these Blu-rays for my mom. Wants to go to this other place, buy all these clothes for. Her. And I'm like, man, he must have messed up. Turns out their anniversary was the next day, which was a terrible, terrible assumption I made. <laughs> but um. Yeah, that's what it is. When we stopped at Best Buy, uh, we found what he was looking for, and I'm like, maybe they got toys. And I found the cherry. The only, the only Uncle Todd toy I have not opened. My Speeding Bullets. Speeding Bullets Batman. Speeding dun, Bullets dun, dun. Batman Superman. It's it is beautiful. It is a gorgeous sculpt. It's obviously it comes with the uh, the base and the uh, the spine to so you can make him float or make him look like your spine when you when you want to display him. But then I text you and you're like, man, I got that this morning. You you found the book. Yeah, no, I was hanging out just uh, killing some time before work at a went to a local video game slash comic book emporium. I was kind of looking to see what I could ha- find find some. Uh, some cheap, um, look, I was originally looking for some Iron Mans to round out my collection since I decided I'm going to start working on the original run of Iron Man. Found, uh, found several key issues for that. Ended up finding, um, ended up finding Speeding Bullets, actually, so that was super cool. Uh-huh. Remember we had talked about it recently. And yes, we did. From what I recall, there's a Speeding Bullets comic store in Oklahoma, as I think you've mentioned a time or two. It was my comic store in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, Matt Price, what's up, brother? Uh, Colin, um, brother of Minefields. Uh, he used to work there for a while. And, uh, awesome, awesome. Matt, Matt, Matt Price abides. In fact, uh, the whole reason I am a proprietor of Muse Comics here in Colorado Springs is because right when I first moved here, I posted I moved on the Facebooks and he messaged me privately and said, Hey, go to Muse, tell them that price sold you, uh, sent you, they'll take care of you. And, and, awesome. I, and I've been friends with, uh, George and Amanda ever since, man, they, they've been taking care of me for, uh, 10 years now. Nice. Nice. 10, ten years now. And, um, but yeah, the hunt abided, the hunt abided and, uh, you got your MM books. We got our spinning bullets on the same day freaking rad yeah it's pretty crazy and on top of that i randomly found uh i want to say it's dc presents 87 which was the um first appearance of superboy prime oh so end up finding that for three dollars 
Uh, I found it later on at another comic book store. Uh, granted, it was a, uh, I want to say it was a direct edition, I think. But the uh, the proprietor of that particular store had it at a hundred and twenty five dollars. What? Hundred and twenty five. It happens, you know. I, I think. Yeah. Like I mean, I've I've pooped on quite a few of the proprietors right here, and I'm just gonna not do it no more. But we'll just. Uh, it's it's, it's an every it's an everywhere thing though, man. It's like it's like bashing on certain critiques in indie wrestling, man. It's not like it's just. Just your local Fed, brother. It's it's everywhere. I agree, but I think we should. Uh, I like. I feel unprofessional uh, mentioning a few stores that chapped me. You know how much I get chapped. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's well, just... it it actually kind of brings into an interesting thought process of a a topic we hadn't discussed yet that uh hmm. kind of feel like given the time I feel like it might be a good time to bring this up. Let's do it. Well, let's. Let's talk about specs. Oh. We have, we have yet to mention specs. We're both spectacle gentlemen at the moment. Yeah. But uh, as we all know, as we all uh, heard over the YouTube and the interwebs, um, you know, uh, Deadpool 3 is coming out 2024, and they are bringing in Wolverine. Hugh Jackman is returning. Oh, I'm following. For the, uh, yeah, for... Uh, Coming to the MCU officially now. Like, like we have a date, we know when it's gonna happen. And freaking, we had uh, the week beforehand, we were going off about a uh, Wolverine '88 at one of the stores in the flea market. Yeah, and it was it was it was forty dollars if I remember correctly. Forty four. I, I I pulled it out of that box. I'm like, no freaking way. Like I, I I remember telling you specifically, I got this like newsstand like. When it came out, cover price, yeah. not like day of, but probably like week of, or maybe like week after. But even then, like, I didn't give a frick about freaking uh, Deadpool time. I just wanted to know when Wolverine was getting his adamantium back. Yeah. Where's it at yeah, now? Not wrong. But yeah, like literally three days later, that hits, and all of a sudden, that uh, forty forty four dollar comic book was almost a hundo. Oh yeah. I ended up. We we went back. I went back to that particular shop just to kind of see if they had it. Um, they did not, but uh, I didn't get a chance to ask how much they sold it for. But I did pick up the uh, first appearance of Weapon X. But I was actually up in Denver this past uh, weekend, and I hit up a Hall of Justice. Nice, beautiful store. And, beautiful store. Yeah, yeah. The new one's even better. They moved next door, bigger space. It cleaned it up real nice. Looks very, good. Very nice people but, to work there, by the way. They will help you mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And uh, ended up finding it there for $75 behind a case. Wow. And you saw and it. And I was just like, I was like, it, man. It, it happened. And you saw it on my floor. Like, like you came over like a couple days after the, the flea market. And I was like, oh, hey, look mm-hmm. what I found. Because I, like, I was sorting so many books. And I'm like, oh, hey, look what I found. Mm-hmm. Bringing Told you had it. But yeah. So I just, I just, no, no, it's, it's spec, you know, spec is real, obviously. For, you know, people are, you know, shooting, shooting up crazy prices for stuff that they think, if they can get away with it, I mean, no more power to them for being able to sell, you know, a book that one day is 40 bucks, next day you're, you know, 80 plus. Right. You know, freaking, and, you know, overnight sensations, you know. 
I can only imagine if somebody's walking around with a Hulk 181 right now, how much that probably shot through the roof. Wow. I remember the only time I've ever seen it in person. Well, let me phrase that. The first time I saw it in person was at Ed's. Uh, mm-hmm. God bless Uncle Ed. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, he was selling it for like 180 bucks. No, no, it was it, no, it was like five eighty. It was it was something really reasonable. But the the problem was, is that it was the, like I remember when I was a kid, like finding comic books at like a flea market or a yard sale. Um, we used to write our names on things. Yeah. And some kid wrote his name on the front. And I remember I thinking about it for a week, thinking about it a week, and I went back and it was gone. And I that's one of my biggest regrets. I don't care what kid's name on yeah. it. I've got a freaking uh, Cagney and Lacey signed uh, eight by ten in my bedroom to uh, June. That I don't even care that it's to June, but I've got a signed eight by ten of Cagney and Lacey, and I'm very proud of. <laughs> nice, but yeah, man, no, it's, it just it's just interesting to think about that. Like one day it's you know, one day it's not you know, not that expensive. Next day, boom. You know, you gotta you gotta be willing to jump. You know, if you want a book, you gotta jump on it. You know, sometimes it works in your favor, though, man. Sometimes freaking uh, you know, I remember all the uh, all the buzz over Amazing Spider-Man one hundred and one, freaking first appearance of Morbius. That thing, you know, a good copy of that can run you anywhere from eight hundred to a thousand dollars. Well, worth it in my opinion, but that's yeah, but. but- that's not us being like speculators, like wanting to sell stuff. That's just us, like, like we really gotta think about this for a second. We're not just mm-hmm. comic book collectors. We're collecting relics. We're, we are archaeologists of comic books. <clears throat> we're not. We're not looking to sell our stuff. Um, and you know, you know, I'm gonna buy it now. Sell it, you know, for three bucks, and sell it for you know, uh, ten thousand. Like back in the day. Uh, I hearken to uh, an old Comic Con where um, Frank Miller did a presentation, but one of the first things he did was talk about one of the worst things about the industry, the worst thing about the industry, was speculation, mm-hmm. and he pulled out an issue of Wizard uh, Magazine, and he ripped it up like Marilyn Manson tearing up the freaking Bible in Oklahoma City. Like, he, okay. he hated it. He, it, it, it was, it's why, uh, Alan Moore doesn't put his name on things. Like, that's not my art. My art was the book. Don't put my name on, on something that's not my art. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can go about this, but the speculatory market, um, to get to where I'm getting to, if you and I could get in a time machine and go back three weeks ago, would you have thrown down that 44? No, I couldn't really care less. I, it's a it's a great cover. It's an awesome cover. Awesome cover. I'm not a not a huge Wolverine fan. Freaking, he's cool, but nothing, nothing I couldn't live without. You know, freaking. Uh, you know, I like. You know, if I see a certain book I'm interested in, or if it's like a specific first appearance, I might grab it. But like, you know, you know, keeping it kind of easy. I just I like what I like. Yeah, I mean, if I came across a first appearance of Gold Balls, and it was like three bucks. Okay, why not? He's awesome. I, I, who doesn't like Gold Balls? Right, but I think I actually uh, I have I think I actually have Gold Balls his first appearance. I just can't remember. I want to say maybe it's one of the X Men number ones that came out over the last twenty years. But yeah, I mean, it's freaking. You know, it's 
it's interesting to think about though just like this is the spec market and whatnot people like you know oh this guy's gonna show up on this uh you know he's gonna get this tv show or this female character's gonna show up and i gotta jump on that now you know like i ended up piecing together uh iron wars or armor wars one and two in the span of like two weeks uh, maybe like two months ago and then freaking and it's actually relatively cheap i think i got it together probably between for all the issues probably between 30 and 50 bucks for the first iron armor wars and then i turn around and freaking you know last week i see someone uh, one of the comic stores bundled it up in a package selling it for a hundred bucks and they'll probably, they'll probably sell it. They'll probably make money. Good form. Right. But like, you, you know, I think the thing is, you just kind of, you know, collect what you collect, what you like freaking, you know, if you, if it, you feel like that price is worth it for you. Cool. Do you, you know, but freaking try to follow, you know, try to get it before try to, I guess, try to stay ahead of the spec. Is it? Don't just, yeah. To... No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I'm excited. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please continue. Oh, you're good. I'm just saying, I just, you know, I'm just not a huge, huge fan of getting into something purely based on spec. I think that's kind of, yeah, just, just not for me really, really is what it is. I completely agree with you. Um, I mean, like we're usually in agreement because the hunt abides, but at the mm -hmm. same time though, the, the, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent with Frank Miller. I get his point. I mean, but the ripping up a wizard magazine doesn't tell me I shouldn't read wizard or want to know how much the books are worth. I mean, like to me, wizard was a book that justified my love. It wasn't me looking to see how much it's going to cost me to, uh, buy a book. I don't have. I mean, there's a lot of times yeah. it actually told me books are, that are going to cost me way out of my price range, uh, as a, you know, a 15 year old kid. But yeah. that didn't really bother me. It still kept me up with what's going on and, you know, it, it, in a medium that is, like, the most important medium to me. And when it comes to speculation, I absolutely hate it, man. Don't, don't just get a book because it's freaking number one or it's... And I'm not being a hypocrite here. Hear me out. A variant cover. <laughs> um, the variant covers, I know you hate on me for it, but the variant covers I get are always very specific. You know how gorgeous all my freaking Miracle Molly books are. Like, all those are going to be framed, and I can't wait till McFarlane makes, like, the figure. But um, but to just be the guy that's like, oh, it's a number one, or... Like, don't be that... Just enjoy the art, which is the same reason uh, you and I have been complaining for, maybe just primarily me, that... Um, you can't just buy the number one because it's the number one. There's so many awesome people that showed up in issue 199 or 758. Um, yeah. Like we were talking yeah. earlier about how uh, Old Man Logan was a seven-issue series, but it wasn't Old Man Logan number one. It was part of Wolverine. Like, they just yeah. kept it going. And that was one of the... It, that really shined to me that it was probably going to be amazing. I mean, obviously it was Mark Millar, but like... Um, yeah, the whole speculatory thing, I think it's for the birds, man. Just go find what you like. If you miss it, that's okay. Find a good bud and go find it. The hunt abides. Yeah. And that's the thing. I always give, if I see a cool looking number one, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. 
Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But did you buy it so you can sell it for $1,000 in 10 years? Probably not. Yeah. If I could get a grand, though, I'm not going yeah. to be like, no, but... Yeah, yeah no, I, I especially, agree. Especially for a book I didn't like in the first place. Yeah. There's a front couple yeah, somebody, of... Somebody's willing to freaking pay me $1,000 for freaking Batman Reptilian number one. By all means, I'm down. Yeah, like all my first... And I, li- I like I like Killer Croc. I just hated that series. <laughs> Killer Croc didn't get good for a while, but no, I feel like I don't know. I, I liked I liked him in the nineties. Like him before it was cool. Well, we both no, we both liked him in the nineties. Freaking like he hit heavy in animated series, brother. Oh yeah, there was drama to that. They they built to that match. <laughs> they built to that match. They built to that oh, match. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, that was that was my little bit of little bit of thought process on spec, I guess. No, and I appreciate it, man, and I appreciate that you have that sort of uh, thought frame because I think it just adds to the purity of the hunt. I think it adds to the purity of your love for comics, and uh, forgive me for trying to frame it as a, as us being um, archaeologists of of art, but it, that's really what it is. We're we're collecting relics. No, depending on the book, it definitely definitely feels like that. Freaking got a got some fun little stuff for. Uh, look, I grabbed a good book, as far as that goes for what's in the box today. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, let's do so, let's do what's in the box. You first. Yeah. Alrighty, freaking uh, you know, feel like what's in the box. You know, we're going back to uh, maybe Middle Eastern a little bit. Freaking maybe some uh some old school Batman. In the desert. Now today's uh today's what's in the box. I got a 15 center here. Freaking got a Batman with Robin issue 232. First appearance of Ra's al Ghul. Oh, you know what's really funny, by the way. Oh, that's beautiful, by the way. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna unacknowledge how cool that is. That's beautiful. I'm really happy for you. But <laughs> guess what Uncle Todd just put out? Speeding bullets, Batman. Rayshaw cool, baby. Oh, that's that. Really? Yes, he did. That's awesome. And I held off on telling you, and I didn't know why. Now you know. This is why. Well, yeah, no, this, uh, I believe this, this actually finishes off all my first appearances of the Al Ghouls. I've got Damien, I've got Talia, now I've got Raish. Oh, that's and Mother Soul, so it's... I think Mother Soul debuted in Robin. Is there a first appearance of Lazarus Pits? I'm pretty sure there is. Give me a second here. Let me take a look. I feel like that was a separate issue, like that led into. It probably very well could be. But I feel like in order to have the complete set, and I'm not trying to ruin your sleep here, friend. Uh, you won't. I'll I'll get to it at some point. No, I'm just talking about because Lord knows, like when I got that giant box of Vertigo a couple weeks ago, I slept like a baby. Like there was a weight off my shoulders. <laughs> Batman two forty three first appearance of the Lazarus Pit. How much? Uh, it, it varies. It's like anywhere between thirty dollars and one hundred and twenty. So not not horrible. 
I bet Uncle Ed's got it. He very well might. You never know. That's obscure enough slash probably in one of his boxes. I feel, I feel like Uncle Ed is like like the you know remember the beginning of the never ending story? <laughs> the kid runs He's a grandpa? No, he runs away from the bullies and he runs into the bookstore and the guy's like, Oh, you don't want this book. This book will destroy you. This book is infinite stories. You don't want this. Oh, by the way, I'm just gonna go fall asleep here real quick. <laughs> um train melts. Yeah. Let me poison your mind, like, like, uh, or freaking, uh, at a, a baser model, freaking Ollivander from, like, uh, Harry Potter, like, oh, I'll find the right book for you. At 10% off. <laughs> Shop at Ed's. Exactly. Shop at Ed's. I have to take a look at that, actually. I'm curious to see if you did have it. So what do you have in the box? I have uh, I have been uh, struggling with something for the past couple weeks is time travel. I've had a lot of really bad, odd time travel memories and in my dreams. And okay, um, couple uh, a couple days ago we were talking about uh, time travel and I brought up morning glories. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring out one of my cherished items. It's actually something that is extremely easy to find. It's Morning Glories number 26. It's actually the, uh, if you look at, it's my uh, lock screen. It's been in my lock screen on my phone for a very long time. But this is actually uh, signed by uh, uh, Spencer uh, himself. Uh, it's, oh, nice. They released it as a... Uh, a gimmick one dollar issue to just get people to buy more comics, but uh, that's why there's so many of them. It, it mm-hmm. the paper quality isn't as good. It's still pretty good, but Morning Glories is about a bunch of children, uh, anywhere from thirteen to I want to say maybe twenty one, but like that maybe twenty one questionable type thing. Like we're like you're watching an eighties movie and a thirty six year old is playing a fourteen year old, in terms of like the way they're depicted. Yeah, that are going to an elite school, and everyone, their families immediately forget about them, and the school is haunted, but not like freaking Harry Potter. It's more like it's like a magnet school, and an evil spirit runs the place, and there is a time travel portal, and they're basically caught in a solid loop, and learning to break away to their their schooling is through brutality and learning how to grow through time travel and go back and forth it lost me for a bit i'm not gonna lie like i was up, okay. i was up to like 30 and like time travel is something really picky with me because like it can get convoluted and i start seeing all these holes and it makes me mad and i don't want to deal with it yeah uh i am into uh volume eight right now and I just wanted to pull it out just because I wanted to brag about having my um, Nick Spencer uh, autograph one because it's one of my it's I just love this cover it's just a just beautiful girl with beautiful blue eyes and blonde hair and the the, the covers were just legendary like a Glenn Fabry or um, like when you pick up an issue of the Sandman uh, the art was different inside but it didn't suck <laughs> it was different mm-hmm. uh, it it was like not very unlike a Sandman book. 
And uh, I just wanted to bring that to light. So, uh, Minefielders, if you're listening, if you wanted a good time travel book, solid writing. Um, and especially, in uh, a buddy I was outside, I was outside smoking at work the other day, and he was asking me about comics, because that's pretty much all I ever talked about. And he's like, I want to get back into comics, you know, I'm about to get a raise, and, um, you know, what book should I get? And I was like... Amazing Fantasy 15. Right off the bat. Just just go ahead and mortgage your home. Um, I was like, dude, you don't have to buy any comic books. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just go to the freaking library here. Like, the East Library, right by my house. Like, mm-hmm. it has stacks and stacks of amazing books. Just all graphic novels. You will find so many good books. And he's like, you can get comic books at libraries? I'm like, yes. Freaking free comic book day. You'll find free comic books at at the library and he's like i can go to the library and get a bunch of books i mean like, you can get as many as you want like i, I remember the first time i went to the library because i first moved here i had no job i had to find like i went to the library to like you know use the internet um look for a job um you know just pass some time because I, I'm, I, I grew up in libraries and um, yeah they had just oodles and oodles of comic books and I got like five and the guy in front of me in line checking out had a freaking like reusable grocery bag filled to the brim of them beep, beep, oh, nice. beep. and library didn't care like he's gonna bring him back I guess I mean like, like uh but uh, uh that's 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 the main reason I wanted to bring up morning glories other than the time travel thing can't afford comic books you want to keep up that's okay. The library will probably get the latest graphic novel a month after it comes out. If you're in a in a good area, and I'm so, sorry to say that um, because we're in the United States of America, some places will get books like eight years later. You might be in a better place that has more access to internet and information, but you might be in a good place that will get it like that week. That week, because there are certain publishers that will give free, that will publish free versions of the graphic novel just for libraries. Awesome. Yeah, and so that, yeah, the whole point of Morning Glories, that's 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 where my mindset went on that one, man. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, go to the library. Go read a book, dude. You know they retired uh, Smokey the Bear. Did they? Yeah, it's like some furry fox thing. It looks like, and I don't mean like furry fox where it's like a, a dude in a fox outfit. It looks like a friggin' furry. Are we talking like really bad Sonic the Hedgehog? No, I mean like convention you don't go into. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of those ones. Hmm. Anyway. AEW Love the show However You said the magic words tonight Chicken and dumplings That's actually pretty good I'm eating some pickles But I could offer some chicken and dumplings But um, That's always a good thing You said we'll see what happens And Mm -hmm. That got me on the jazz Because You hear it all the time Oh my god Tonight's show was amazing Or I hated it but that nice, slow, and steady, that nice, solid burn, 
I know you liked the show. We were texting throughout the whole thing. It was a good thing. But no, it, it definitely had its high points. It was like the the shows have been solid overall. You know, just last month or so is really like they've gone out of their way to really kind of just kind of. I think they've kind of limited the comedy aspects a little bit. Like that was my big my big complaint. You want more? Like a while ago. Well, no, not even that. Just freaking. It was too juxtaposed. It was too like there'd be like too all this comedy, and then there'd be a super serious match. So too incorrectly juxtaposed. Like it just didn't. Yeah, it was. Well. It was just. It was too different. Like the, the, it didn't. The show didn't flow because there was like. Oh, this there's there's this crazy over the top character, you know, an Orange Cassidy, a Dan House, and stuff like that. And then like the next match would be like Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. Yeah. And it was super serious, and it was like it was too different to like it was it was it was jarring. There was and, like a... they've really kind of gone out of their way to help the shows flow better to where you're it's more ups and downs than like boom here then boom over here there was an episode of the simpsons where the where it was mr burns's birthday and homer was uh instructed to be the comedian and he went on all his way to make all these jokes and um everyone's giving mr burns all these gifts and um uh right before uh, homer comes out to do his comedy bit um smithers comes out and says uh Ladies and gentlemen, uh, unfortunately, a small dog that looks unlike unlike Lassie was just hit and run over in the parking lot. Oh, here's the comedy mm. stylings of Homer Simpson. <laughs> and so everyone's just bombed. Yeah. It's just like, why? <laughs> That's actually not a bad little metaphor for what I'm thinking. It's just it's just too different. Like you're, you're here and then bam. There. Yeah, there's no transition. Yeah, and it just doesn't. Yeah, there's no building up to it. There's no, there's no real storyline with it. It's just kind of, boom, you're, you're funny, haha. Boom, serious match. Like you need that. You need something in the middle to kind of get you there. You want the Vestuvius is smashed, where the snakes are intertwined and they're working together. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, no, it's uh like I said, it's a, it was a really good show. Freaking uh. I like what they're doing. They, they did a, you know, think they did a six woman tag where Willow Nightingale actually got the pin, and she did all. I like to, I like to see something good happen for Willow. She has a lot of fun, and she's different from a lot of the other girls there. And it, you know, like to see, like to see her get a little something, something. She's challenging Jade Cargill for the TBS belt at the Battle for the Belt show. Her, her and I like to think real. that she would you know, make it work. Her call-out was real. I believed it. Yeah. And she was right. And when we were talking in between, you're right. Like, this this needs to end. Um, I mean, like, ha- like uh, tell us uh, what you told me in terms of, like, it just getting old. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, freaking, like, Jade Cargo's on this undefeated streak. She's never been pinned, blah, blah, blah. And that's great. But she's also got this, she's also got the TBS belt, which is basically their secondary women's title. And, like, her undefeated streak has superseded the belt. Like, the belt doesn't matter. It's just based on who's going to be the person to beat Jade. 
And she's gone through some pretty credible talent so far, with you know, Ruby Soho, Athena, you know, and the ilk. And freaking, it'd be nice to see somebody beat her and get that TBS women's title and freaking do something with it. Because it's, like I said, it's just becoming a, it's become a part of her ring gear as opposed to a credible title. It's a credible, like, storyline that you want to pay attention to? Yeah, it's just they, like the the belt secondary to the un, un, unbeaten streak. I feel like they're. You what, know? I feel like what the what when people do the unbeaten streak as opposed to what we're talking about Goldberg, which is just garbage, was that everyone wants that Monday Night Raw the night everyone changed the channel the night that mankind, you know, Miss Foley's baby boy beat the Rock. And because that was probably mm-hmm. that was probably my favorite entering celebration of all freaking time. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, people were people, people didn't see it coming. It was amazing. But that's that that's the thing. Freaking it, you know. You spent a year like The Rock was the corporate champion, but like you spent years building up Mick Foley. Yeah. Whether they intentionally did it or not. And he was he was in real life. He was the guy that wasn't going to win the belt. He was the guy that was going to give you his heart and soul <laughs> and give you his body on a nightly basis. But he wasn't championship material. He didn't look like a WWE champion. He didn't wrestle like a WWE champion. No. Freaking and freaking when he got the shot and they they built it up that whole night. They built up the whole thing with him putting the. Uh, the sugar lock, uh, sugar hold on Shane McMahon to get the title shot, and freaking the whole thing with DX on the outside, freaking the corporation on the outside. You know, for all intents and purposes, it was basically us versus them. It was Mick Foley and the fans versus The Rock and the corporation, and freaking you know DX got involved, and freaking Stone Cold got involved, and none of that mattered. It all came down to freaking that one, two, three, freaking Foley had pinned the rock. And, you know, we all celebrated because it was, it, you know, oh. for at least that, that small amount of time, the good guys won. That was beautiful, man. I'm like, you're, you're right. He did pin the rock, but like he, uh, well, he knocked him the F out, but freaking like it was up to Stone Cold to, to do the right thing of all the good things Stone Cold's ever done. The, the the glass broke. Everyone cheers, but like it's kind of confusing. Like why Stone Cold? And he just does what he's got to do. And just drags his lifeless body over the rock, and yeah. we got Shane yeah, yeah, yeah. knocked the f out on the side. I mean, like, man, that was such a good night. Yeah, and that was that was great, you know. And freaking, you know, because like I said, it shouldn't have happened. And freaking, you know, as opposed to like, you know. When they beat Goldberg for the belt, freaking they made they made this whole thing, and then freaking it was just put on Kevin Nash after freaking interference from I think Disco Inferno, then interference from Bam Bam Bigelow, and then interfere and then Scott Hall came in dressed as security guard and tased Goldberg, and then freaking uh, Goldberg takes Nash's power bomb, and then one two three and Nash wins the belt. And turns around that very same night, the freaking they uh, fully won the belt from The Rock, and did they did the legendary finger poke of doom, and crapped all over everything. 
you know, from what I understand, it was supposed to lead to the reformation of the NWO, which it did. But then the whole thing was Goldberg was supposed to freaking go barreling through the NWO to finally get to Hogan to finally do that pay-per-view match that they didn't do the first time and freaking him finally reclaiming the belt. But freaking, you know, Goldberg got injured and that never happened and maybe it wouldn't have happened anyway. Who knows? It's an overloaded pizza. It's an, yeah. over, it's an overloaded pizza. Half of it is pineapple and ham and the rest is like sausage, olives, anchovies, extra pepperoni and like mm-hmm. none of it. Like, what the heck is this? Well, like, yeah. And well, the whole thing too is you got if the month before he lost to freaking Nash, he'd wrestled DDP in a classic. And I still say to this day, if DDP would have just hit the diamond cutter and pinned him, and he would have just pinned Goldberg clean, WC it might not have solved all the problems in WCW, but it would have helped because freaking DDP was in that same Foley position where guys had you know all the fans had watched him you know, work his way up the card right. and earn the fans' respect and freaking, you know, he'd freaking, he'd feuded with Macho Man and he was the first guy to turn down the NWO and he had worked his way up from TV title, the U.S. title, but he could never win the world title and freaking, he didn't end up winning, he, he lost that match that night and by the time they freaking had put the belt on DDP as a world champion, he had, he had turned heel he was in a fatal four-way with Ric Flair, Hogan, and I think Sting. And Macho Man was a special guest referee. And Macho, who we'd spent over a year feuding with, had helped him to win the belt for absolutely no reason. Because it was Macho's first match back, and he was a referee after like being out for like a year. And DDP was a heel. And he won the world title and nobody cared because they'd waited too long to pull the trigger to freaking do something with DDP. And by that time, I think Goldberg was already gone by that point. And freaking, I think he was, I think he was either injured or he'd just come back. But, you know, they, they'd lost that. They never regained the credibility that they had with the Goldberg streak. And they never reclaimed the freaking the legitimate love of DDP that the fans had because he was, he was the people's champion of WCW. He was the guy, he was that guy that worked hard that shouldn't have made it that did and freaking they screwed it up. How else did AEW rub you right, rub you wrong tonight? Uh, let me see. The, the acclaimed thing is amazing. Oh, dude, the, that fact that, the fact that those guys can go out there and freaking cut a 10-minute promo and have the fans, you know, on their feet, fantastic. You know, they didn't have to do, they didn't have to take a bump. They didn't have to freaking, um, you know, do anything crazy. They just went out there and talked. And they're, like, they said it themselves. They might be the most over tag team in wrestling right now. No, they were right. I mean, that, that's that's debatable. It, I mean, they're not. They, they might not even. They might not even be the most over team in freaking AEW. If you look at the freaking FTR, right? But freaking, you know, they're definitely in the conversation one way or the other. My favorite part about it was like I'm not a big fan of extended shows. Like uh, I, mm-hmm. I want I want a nice tight package. Usually, when I get an extended show, 
Like, I was excited, and, and I'm just me talking from experience of getting chapped from the three-hour-long Raw. Because it just <clears> got <throat> too long. But um, I was happy we had an extended Dynamite. I mean, obviously, it was the anniversary, so it merited it. So I have no complaints there. But that meant uh, they claimed had well over ten minutes. <laughs> like... To, to just run amok, and, and and the other thing that I really loved was that they were in their hometown, homeboys talking about, like, my dad was part of the Super Bowl winning championship team here, and mm-hmm. and I, he, he ain't lying, freaking, they got to shine in their hometown, which is the opposite of what happens in the, the E, or the old, yep. well, not just the E, but, like, the old precedent, like, you get your hometown, like, you know, Bailey goes, you know, back to Anaheim, and she loses, um, yeah. Uh, no, they got they got put over. You, you don't go your 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 best friends, uh, your family. They didn't go sit there to see you lose. They're there to see you get put over, and they got put over, and that really made me happy about AEW tonight. Nice, nice. Yeah, that was really good. They had a uh, Willie Yuta and MJF who had his first match back in like four months. They had a really freaking good match. That was a whole lot of fun. Freaking got some uh, some drama there. Freaking with uh, MJF, just holding. The was chip. he gonna Was he gonna shake the hand? Was he not gonna shake the hand? And then he got the diamond ring and getting seeing William Regal stand up and go to confront Max. And then you know he's got the diamond ring, but freaking William Regal's got the brass knuckles. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. That was, that was <laughs> a lot of fun. That, you know, that was for you know for that fan base and for me personally, that was that was a great moment seeing William Regal. But like, you know put the knucks on like you know hey yeah i'm an old i'm an old man but i'm still the villain that, that was te- that was tempted man that's like leaving a bar at two in the morning you're all psyched you're with your buddies just watching wrestling and uh you walk past a dark alley and some guy's like Psst. <laughs> you're like what y'all want y'all want some of this nice nice like we don't know that and he like pulls out like a vhs <laughs> like like your favorite match <laughs> you're like I'm gonna go in the Stark Alley with the sky right now. That's how I felt with that. I'm not sure if that. Means... <laughs> what you never been in a dark alley or something before? Neither have I. Let's move no. on. No. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a like I said, it was a good show, man. Freaking, they've been going out of their way to do their best to have continuous continuing. T- Good shows from week to week, you know. Like I said, I think I kind of feel like they're trimming back on the jokes a little bit, saving that for other shows. Yeah, and freaking apparently, and it seems to be that it's working because the uh, the ratings for the most part have been uh, holding up consistently. But as a twenty year vet, let's talk about the elephant in the room: professionalism. I got a cat in the room, but. Just saying. It's a a fat cat. Let's talk about the fat cat in the room. Professionalism in the locker room. (sighs) Yeah, it's, uh, you know, from according to what I've been, you know, from what everyone's been hearing, there's, uh, uh, there's some, been some issues, man, freaking. Dissension. Yeah, everybody knows about freaking all out and all that nonsense with punk kind of possibly going into business for himself or possibly saying what Tony Khan's thinking, 
you know, it's uh, it, it's interesting to see what's gonna happen with that and the the fallout with the uh, the young bucks and Omega going into his locker room to confront him, whether they were there to talk or whether they were there to to throw down. Freaking, you know, apparently they had the lawyer with them, so if they had the lawyer with them, it obviously would seem that freaking they weren't gonna go out there to throw bows with a with a lawyer there. But freaking, it, apparently, either way, I don't think it was the right time to do so. Punches were thrown. People were suspended. Titles were vacated. Yeah, we've, we've kind of, we've, we've talked about that. Yeah, we talked about that. But let's, like, you know, when it comes to, to quote the Simpsons here, like, if they got their lawyer with them, it'd be like the, uh, gentlemen, I want to halt this unauthorized use of everything that WCW was. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, I'd like to think that people have learned their lessons since then, but, you know, we've seen, you know, since then we've had two other sets of altercations happen. Freaking, you know, both featuring Sammy Guevara. You know, he got into a fight with, uh, with Kingston over, uh, a promo. You know, whether that was, you know, stuff that should have been used in a promo or not. That's neither here nor there. But from what I understand, both guys got suspended. And then we turn around and uh, he gets into it with Andrade El Idolo over the um, Andrade's supposed stiffness in the ring. Apparently he hit Sammy harder than Sammy would like. And freaking... You know, one of the age-old three things in wrestling is you tell freaking everybody but the guy you're having issues with. Yeah. Freaking, and, uh, you know, Andrade called him out on it. Andrade talked about freaking on, the, on, I believe, a podcast. I'm not sure which one. But um, that, you know, guys like the, you know, Cena and Sheamus and The Miz, you know, he was hitting them just as hard, and none of these big-time pro wrestlers freaking ever said anything about, you know, his striking. I have never heard anything about Andre Andrade hitting too hard. Like, it sounds yeah. like Sammy did the Patrick Bateman thing. Not in the face! Not in the face! <laughs> yeah. And if everyone could have been, you know, and freaking it's, you know, he kind of he kind of pulled Sammy's punk card. And instead of talking it out, freaking Sammy got... Sammy talked about it on Facebook or online... And I think it was honest, Twitter actually. Honest, and then Andrade was just all, like all his little girlfriends and we're like, Oh my god, yeah. I'm so sorry for you. You should be so mean to him next time you see him. And Andrade was just like, I'll see you on Wednesday and apparently before the uh before Dynamite tonight, Andrade went and saw Sammy. Words were exchanged, from what I understand, freaking uh Sammy, you know, pushed Andrade. Uh, punches were thrown and Andrade was sent home. And freaking Sammy worked the main event. And freaking whether that's right or not, you know, freaking both uh, both parties were involved in it is what it is. Incorrect choices were made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of, it sucks, man. Because freaking, you know, I think you know, we're obviously both in agreement personally that we want AEW to succeed. You know, it's, 
a company we both enjoy watching. It's a company that, you know, we, we will also have our, you know, be critical of, but it's something we want to see succeed. We want, you know, wrestling to succeed and we want freaking, we want a valid alternative to WWE. But this seems to be a consistent issue with people not really respecting their place of employment. That's a, you know, I, and I, you know, I think point. for you, I'm sorry, if I went and punched somebody in the face of my work, or if I had an issue that led to a screaming match, I'd be reprimanded. Even a screaming, you know, if not, if not fully match, terminated. Even a screaming yeah. match, you're, you're going to be fully terminated. I mean, yeah. not just because of like today's day and times. I mean, like you, you just, it's simply just not acceptable anymore in, in a professional mm-hmm. environment. And even if it wasn't like, and, and I'm not trying to get political here, even if it wasn't because of like, you know, how sensitive people are right now where mm-hmm. I used to work at a restaurant and I, I used to scream at the 17 year old hostesses as loud as I could. Like, and my boss would be like, dude, you can't scream at a little girl like that. And, but I'd be like, okay, won't do it again. But she like triple sat me and I already had like eight people at the bar and she wasn't paying attention. And he'd be like, okay, man, it's cool. But that still wasn't cool. Yeah. That still wasn't, that still should have never happened from me, despite the fact that it was an mm-hmm. acceptable thing. And like, and in, in, in an odd metaphor here, when we were watching WCW and WWE, uh, you're married, I'm not, but you, you and I have also never been ex married before. We have, we don't have yeah. ex, we don't have ex wives, but we do have ex wives when it comes to wrestling. So watching, okay. watching AEW, we have a, a solid base foundation of what we want to avoid at all costs. Like, like we're seeing red, red flags, especially you. Um, we're, yeah. see, we're seeing red flags because uh, you and I enjoy it from different perspectives. Um, but mm-hmm. we're both seeing early on red flags, not saying like we're like two weeks into dating. We're saying we're four years into being married and, this is happening and uh the like therapy needs to happen or marriage counseling or some sort of intervention where like um this can't continue this is this is unsustainable we we, it's already been proven it's unsustainable yeah i I can i can see what you're saying with that but yeah i mean that's yeah i mean that's and that's the thing man it's freaking there's definitely i kind of feel like it kind of seems like there's a, a divide between those that have uh, that those that made their names sh- strictly on the indies and those that freaking have spent time in WWE, regardless of their previous status, whether they were in the indies or not. Now this is the meat and potatoes. And freaking yeah, and their their ability to to handle this, you know, because Andrade has been you know, a freaking a main player in freaking NXT. He was, you know, he's wrestled at WrestleMania. He's freaking been, you know, he's worked with top names like Cena and Orton and the Ilk. Oh, yeah, he's wrestled right. in New Japan. Yes, he has. You know, he's, he's, he's a huge star in Mexico. Like, Sammy's kind of the top, you know, this, this is the top of his game right now. This is the biggest he's ever been. And freaking, it's going to be interesting to see 
in five years if we even remember who Sammy Guevara is. Because he's freaking... There's an old... There's something I always like to talk about with these kind of stories is freaking... Please. Like, Shawn Michaels in 96 is, you know, well-regarded that the he was a jerk. He was freaking... He wasn't in his right mind. He was on, you know, he was on drugs. Yeah. Freaking, he was hanging out with the wrong people, and he was kind of, you know, like I said, he was a jerk. He'd bury people on TV. He'd freaking, he'd bury them in the ring. Like, freaking, everyone knows about freaking uh, SummerSlam 96 when he wrestled Vader. Went for the elbow drop. Vader didn't move, so he just stopped and freaking started throwing a hissy fit in the middle of the ring and kicked Vader in the head. And freaking... You know, Sean was a pain. But the thing was, in 96, Sean Michaels was untouchable in the ring. He was he was the man. Whether you liked him or not, whether you thought he was a jerk or not, he was the man. He was the first Sean Nobody Michaels. could touch him. He was yeah. the first Sean Michaels. You know, and quite frankly, Sammy Guevara is a dime a dozen. Ooh, yeah. He's not he's not a he's not a huge star. He's not he hasn't, you know, he's done some great stuff. Freaking cool. Good for you. Happy for you, bro. Even, but freaking... Even in our like, beds, there's always like one or two. Huh? I mean, not, but freaking, I, I'm, I'm talking Colorado in general. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, he hasn't done anything that's like earth shattering. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't made it to the show, as it were. Not to the ship. He's not main, he's not main eventing, you know freaking show after show after show he's not showing up anybody in ring like he's he's a great talent he's he's freaking he's got a lot going for him but he's not he hasn't matured to that point where he's freaking you know at his peak yeah and it's curious to see if he's going to get there based on his attitude you know because there are you know for every for every great, you know, for every Shawn Michaels, for every guy that's screwed up, left and come back and, you know, for the better, you know, which is, you know, and again, include Shawn Michaels, your Eddie Guerrero's, stuff like that, you know. They lost everything. <laughs> yeah. They well, lost that's, everything. Well, that's the, yeah. They did, but freaking they got it back. And, you know, freaking they got respect and freaking. Hey, you know, he you know, but guys. what is you know? But they freaking. But is is Sammy gonna get that you know, that shot at redemption? Is he freaking? Does he, you know, guy? The guy's what probably in his mid to late twenties at the earliest or at the latest, and freaking, you know, is he gonna get a chance to to go anywhere else if he desires to do so? You know, freaking, he's 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 playing in a very a very small sandbox right now. But <laughs> like I said, there, there's a, there's a dozen other guys on that roster that can do most of what he can do. If not better. Well, freaking Sir Pendergo can do anything he can do better. Mm. I want to see and more freaking, Yeah, no, Sir Pendergo's good. Freaking, uh. I'm just saying like, let's get rid of Sammy and more Sir Pendergo. I'm just saying like, yeah, keep messing up and let's get, we'll have more Sir Pendergo. <laughs> It's gotta freaking. We gotta we gotta get a, a push Serpentico fan club going. <laughs> I dig it, man. Get little shirts and everything. Get a little little signs. Start traveling at each AEW show. Little flags. Free Serpentico. Little flags. Bring That'd the honor funny. back. Where's the honor? 
Where's the honor? I, I really, I really love that they were pushing the honor tonight because um, yeah, they did. Yeah, they really pushed it. That made me very happy. Like the um, freaking Excalibur was on fire tonight. Uh, Tony Schiavone was reading all of my thoughts, it, it, uh, but of course he had better ones. But um, and a better way to say it. Um, it's true. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think the whole thing with Sammy is going to be freaking. Will he end up? You know, will he end up getting as you know reaching his full potential, or is he going to be another guy that burns out because freaking people got tired of his crap? Now, because this is minefields, and that's what we walk through. Mm-hmm. Um, we've discussed the problem. As a twenty-year vet, you've done everything. You've you've been all over the board, freaking. I lean on you for all my decisions because I'm only three and a half years, almost four, in the business. And that's not me jock riding. That's just me just – you're my freaking – like, you know, uh, people say they trained under Gracie. Okay, that's fine. Uh, but they're not jock riding. Uh, freaking – what's the solution? I mean, in all honesty, freaking – I got to put him in this place. Freaking – Hold him, uh, freaking make him earn a spot. No, make I, him, you know, he, he wants to be great. Freaking make him earn it. No, I mean, I, I get as simple as that. Yeah, I get it, but that's old school rules, man. Like, I mean, putting him in a spot is gonna be easy. That that's like, you know, one co- the right conversation with Tony Khan with the right person, he's done. But if mm-hmm. if Sammy, who I don't wish ill for, listened to this show and was like, you know. Oh, he'd call me out and say, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. If, if, if he agreed and said, man, I'm messing up, what do I do, Mr. Tony Morales? No, he, he wouldn't, but, I mean, I, you know, he's freaking, he's there, I'm here. But I'm, I'm just saying, my but, personal opinion. But if he, freaking, if he did come he, to you, if he did come to you and ask for advice, I heard your podcast, I think you're correct. I, I, I'm messing up. What do I do to fix my locker room status how do i fix myself as a wrestler as a professional backstage how do i become a locker room reader i mean like i can go on but how do i fix the problem i mean i think the problem the first problem stay offline don't freaking like do your vlogs just you know do your regular stuff but freaking don't you know don't don't look for a fight because you look for a fight there's always going to be one i think that that's easy that's easy enough who do you vent to? Freaking. Well, he's got freaking. He's, I'm sure he's got friends there that he can go to. Freaking. You know, he can. You know, he can talk to anybody as far as just letting it out. Freaking. But I mean, the guy's been freaking the center of controversy, off and on for the last year, multiple times. Freaking. Without you know having to. You know, I don't know the guy, so I don't need to get into his personal life or anything like that. But right, freaking, right, he's right. been. He's probably had about three or four controversies over the last year that he needs to he needs to handle. Like friggin' the first one, I'm surprised he's here in the first place. Yeah. So I mean freaking you know, he just needs to, you know, calm down, stop looking for fights, stop looking to I I get trying to be the bad guy to freaking push, you know, what you're doing on TV. Cool. Getcha. Freaking, 
you know, but you're freaking, you know, we'll see what happens with them because freaking, you know, there's, you know, there's there's good heat and then there's freaking go away heat, which means I'm just going to turn the TV off every time you're on or I'm going to stop watching AEW completely because they're putting up with you. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Enough people, enough people do that, there's going to be freaking a noticeable change in the ratings and freaking everybody talks about Tony Khan being a numbers guy. And if enough people turn off, turn on, you know, change the channel when your segment's on, it's noticeable. I mean, frankly, if it had been a one-on-one match with literally anyone other than teaming with Jericho, that would have been like, time to hit the head. Time to go get my snack. Um, yeah, possibly. But freaking, depend. I mean, it always, it always depends, man. Freaking, like I said, the guy's talented. He's just freaking... You know, but like my, my wife was telling me today, she's like, I kind of want to stop watching the show. I can, I can kind of be done with AEW today and be and not care. What do you even miss it? Miss Morales, yeah. She's just she's done with it. She's done with it. Freaking, it's not something she enjoys. What if you don't want me asking, just for the uh, sake of back and forth, uh, what does she enjoy? Wrestling product wise, is she like old school matches, like old school DVDs, or just, it just, just depends on what's you know, it depends on what we're watching at the time. Sometimes she's into different stuff, you know. She likes you know, there are certain wrestlers she really enjoys, and freaking guys, she like she couldn't care less about. And Sammy's one of those guys. She just every time she turns around, she just hears him doing something dumb. And she grew up. So just, she grew up true blues. Yeah, and freaking, she's just kind of like, eh, I don't. I don't care. I'm just like this is going to be what they're going to they're going to put on the show. This, this is the guy they're going to push when there are better talents out there that aren't getting the push, and he's not grateful for what he's got. Cool. I don't need to watch the show. When he did that uh, uh, dive out the ring and landed it, and I'm the best. I'm the best. I I really thought he believed he's the best. And it. and. That it it I, that sort of stuff sickens me when you've got that sort of hubris, but then like you know a minute later, freaking Daniel Bryan comes out of nowhere with that flying knee strike, and hits Jericho mm-hmm. right in the face. I mean Jericho, I'm I'm staring at a, a life size cut out of him right now. Um, I do not want to see my hero get hurt, but that was a gnarly flying knee strike. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Not Everything really Sammy freaking... did didn't even come close to that knee strike. Yeah, I mean, like I said, he's, he's a very pretty wrestler. Doesn't mean no. Doesn't mean he's freaking. You know, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big fan of a good punch to the face. So freaking, and you know, he's one of those guys that just he doesn't provide that. You know, there's a lot of guys that freaking, you know, they do really cool stuff, and freaking it it appeals to certain people. Yeah, certain people it doesn't. Now, uh. As we transition on, uh, one of the things that you brought up earlier uh, about him not being Shawn Michaels was a metaphor I heard on a podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but um, it was the thing about Elvis malfunctioning. Like, you know, he was a mama's boy. I mean, like, he's a country boy. All of a sudden, he's the rock and roller. He's the king. There, there was no other Elvis before him that preceded him in any way that made any mistakes that new Elvis would know to avoid. 
and yeah. that you're going to get this popular. These girls are going to do this. These are the things that people are going to offer you. The, this is what people are going to tell you and fill your head with things. Um, there's plenty of examples of what not to do, and he's just not paying attention. Or paid attention. I don't know. But I, I mean, that's that. That's it. I mean, that's... Like I said, I think it always goes back to the whole, you know, the reason wrestling is like art is because freaking anything, a lot of things can be construed as art. It's just your your take on it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's thinking all the, you know, freaking they, you know, they made the whole point of turning him baby face and it was getting over for a minute. And then the whole, you know, his personal life got in the way of that and they turned him heel and. Maybe you know he's using this to embrace that that heel persona because freaking no, if ever I'm getting into fights with these guys, it'll be you know all the all the internet guys will get behind it and people will talk about it. You know we're talking about it, so obviously that that aspect of it would work. Yeah, of course. But it's you know, and I mean if that's if that's what he's doing, that's what he's doing. Freaking certain guys are able to. To definitely utilize the internet and social media in a way that is far superior to a lot of other guys. You know, MJF was a big, you know, a troll for quite a while and he and it worked for him. Still working. Yeah. And freaking, you know, maybe Guevara's trying to do that a little bit. Just kinda, you know, feeding into the feeding into the stories with the thought process of, you know, if everybody hates me, then everyone's going to really hate me now. And it'll make me a bigger star because people want to see me get beat up. You know, and that, that could very well be the thought process behind it. I like the fact that the only time I ever saw him break heel uh, was in the engagement photos. And I thought that was really sweet of all the times. Like if you're that super heel and the only time you break is to make sure everyone knows that you love your fiance. That was awesome. Like I, I that kind of had a soft spot for it. But back to Sammy, like if if well yeah, but then why? But then again, that kills off everything I just said because if you're a heel, why are you showing off your engagement photos? Well, he definitely showed off the ring, his ring better. But um, there was still some heelishness to it. But I I, I like the, the there was a little bit of a softerness to it. Um, with Sammy, it's like, I mean, if he was just some jerk on the street causing some, you know, some mess with somebody for no good reason and he gets laid out, everyone's going to look at him like, dude, what's wrong with you? Like, you suck. Like, get out of here. Like, 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 you have no business around us. Like, you're just, you're a troublemaker. You're, uh, you're not even the sweet rascal you presented yourself back in the day with your panda helmet. You're, you're just trouble and... And we don't need this. Frankly, we don't even want to look at it. Like, the the second you walk away, we're going to have a deep sigh of relief that you're gone. And then we're going to forget about you. It, yeah. like, no one's going to be like, hey, remember how much Sammy Guevara sucked? We're, you just sucked so bad, you're just out of our collective unconscious even. And yeah. that would be a terrible thing to happen if you're trying to put yourself over so hard and being the best. And... I'm not saying I want him to disappear. I'm not saying I want him to fail. I do love comeback stories uh, when 
you know, people do right for themselves and make amends, but uh, this is just causing some major trouble in AEW that is making me uncomfortable. Like, frankly, like I said earlier, uh, both of us have ex-wives in wrestling, uh, metaphorically, and we see the red flags, and, um, but man, he's like the, your crappy little almost stepkid, like, man, I'm not going to be able to deal with this kid. <laughs> I'm not going to be a married mom. Yeah, he's like the annoying, he's, he's the annoying little brother. Yeah. But, yeah, man, I mean, it's freaking, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see what happens with the whole story as it progresses. It's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, freaking if, you know, by the, in this time in five years, we even remember who he is. Well, Especially better. He might be the next Palmer. He might be the next Palmer Cannon for all we know. Oh, I remember that guy. Uh, not. (laughs) No. Exactly. Yep. Before we transition to the comics, I do because uh, this is obviously October. We always do. um, This is your. uh, This is your third year. This is your uh, almost third year anniversary with us. Oh Jesus, that's ridiculous. And. and, um, (laughs) Uh, but we always do Psycho of the Week, and Veritas Suicide just read um, some very chilling uh, manifesto from the uh, Axe Butcher of Nolans. And uh, but we played uh, their latest single, uh, "Into the Twilight Zone." But uh, I wanted to mention uh, my uh, just my pick of the week, if you will, of horror movies. Uh, I finally do like. Every year, I try to remind myself to try to find a copy of this. I used to have a copy of it on VHS, and I lost it in a breakup. Like, actually, almost, let's see, October, uh, when's election day? It's always, like, October 2nd, October 3rd. So, almost 10 years to the I day. I thought it was November. But, okay. Yeah, yeah, November. So, it will almost... Uh, Almost. It's close. Uh, almost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I lost my uh, copy of The People Under the Stairs. And I finally found a decent copy of it on Blu ray. And uh, have you ever seen People Under the Stairs? Can't say that I have, no. It's, it's got Ving Rames. It's basically Twin Peaks. Um, well, I mean, it's got two of the main characters from Twin Peaks. Um, these uh, two dudes, uh, well, this one guy, Ving Rames, decides that. Uh, He's going to rob the uh, local uh, family that owns all the ghettos around him because there's gold in the house. It's an old it's an old funeral home. And um, this kid that he's basically stepdad to at the moment uh, really wants to help him rob it because his mom's got cancer and they can't afford the freaking surgery. It's totally campy. Yeah. It might as well be a freaking Tales from the Crypt. It's written and directed by Wes Craven, by the way, like as in Freddy, Swamp Thing, uh, Scream, mm-hmm. and um, the house is completely barricaded, and all the locks, all the deadbolts, uh, not deadbolts, all of the windows are deadbolted from the outside, and um, basically there's a creepy family in, that lives there, it's, it's, it's a brother and sister that stole a girl that, uh, well... The, well, anyway, there's a there's people living in the walls, and oh. and these three robbers break in, including the boy. Uh, he's one of the three uh, to find the gold, and they find a little girl, and um, 
It is messed up. <laughs> it is. It is wow. a. When just to give you a brief uh, idea of how messed up it is, they find her in the room with the boy. Uh, a couple of the people on the walls open a secret compartment, grab the boy, take him into the walls. the The opening is too big for the 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 dad or daddy to get into. And um, yeah. he starts blasting at the walls. The mom immediately grabs the girl by the hair and drags her into the bathroom and turns the hot water on as hot as possible and throws her into it. And just scrubs her raw because she's a little, you know, uh, a little skank. And uh, they show it. I mean, they're, like, they're, they're, it's basically they think that they slept together. And, like, they're... It, it it just gets getting worse and worse, but there's a happy ending, actually. Um, but it's called The People on the Stairs. If uh, none of y'all Monfeathers have ever seen it, I highly suggest it. I think you can rent it on the YouTubes, but I prefer to have it a boiler friendly. <clears throat> uh, back from a quick little break there, guys. Ranting and raving about some killer wrestling information, but uh, we're going straight into the meat and potatoes. Obviously, we get the uh, eat your d'oeuvres, get you a little bit of salad. Are you a Caesar salad guy or you a garden salad guy? Or are you a... Not really much of a salad guy. Or are you a... Or he's more of a main blue, course guy. Are you a blooming onion guy? No. Uh, I like rolls. I like the, like the rolls. They give you the free rolls with dinner. That's always fun. Do love some free rolls. I'll I'll, I'll eat some freaking rolls that you wouldn't believe, but that's about it. I feel like what's going on next in their 15, because they have not finished the main story that's going on that I I don't even like that I don't even remember the name of right now. Judgment Um, Day. Judgment Day, and there's like like another part of it. Like, I I hate it. I I don't like what's going on. Uh, The Eternals can 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 go away. Um, But they have been peppering the story with... Tiny little hors d'oeuvres of what's going on here in the Savage Land mm-hmm. with the vault. We have a. Well, <laughs> it's actually in the jungles of South America. I thought it was. I thought it was in. I always thought it was in the freaking. Uh, Savage Land. Savage Land. No. I thought it made sense. It was in Savage Land. I could see it being the Savage Land, but it's yeah. It says right here, jungles of South America. My mind wanted it to be. Freaking savage land, but we've got the vault and we've got this uh, seemingly. Uh, what do you what, what what would you even call this? Because like the last time I saw the vault, it was just a deteriorating you know what, uh, master mold, like a yep. ba- like baby master mold. But like we see, there's a lot of uh, visuals here that definitely stick out to me. There's a tree growing out of the head. I don't, I don't think that that is there specifically because nature took over like it always does. And, you know, a thousand years later, all our buildings are destroyed and nature's destroyed everything we've ever done except, like, you know, the pyramids and a few other things. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's very symbolic that we've got a tree growing out of it, like Yggdrasil in, um, or the Tree of Life, um, especially because what it's containing. And... I still love the the fact that we've got a baby master mold here that uh, could potentially destroy all of existence. And we we start out with uh, Forge meeting up with old Scotty there. And 
he's got this giant gun. It's one, probably one of my favorite jokes I've ever read in the X-Men. Like, you know, it's a big gun. <laughs> Cable C is going to want it. Of course he is. Um, did you see uh, the other day Kanye West, and I very, I'm not a paparazzi guy, but uh, Rob Liefeld posted it. Kanye West had, like, some new, like, fashion trend he did and it's like all these pouches on him like 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 a vest all pouches pants all pouches and just Liefeld posted you know uh that old school throwback that comic did the pouch uh just that dude just covered in <laughs> freaking uh utility pouches pouches full of stuff yeah and um well anyway um it's gonna forge is like scotty if they get out, it's over. Like they're they're not just gonna take over the world. They're gonna continuously evolve. Evolve. They have a place to continuously evolve. I mean, it. it we're done. And I've created this yeah. giant gun. The second it opens, we're gonna shoot a black hole into it. And like what? I mean, like if it was nineteen fifty, um, we're gonna shoot a nuke into it. And of course, you know that's, yeah. that's the end all be all. Like a nuke is gonna just it's, like it's it's over. It's a nuke. And um, <clears throat> right then, when they're discussing it, the vault um, cracks open. Well, not cr- it gets kicked open, and uh, the children come out and immediately yeah. start taking over. And yeah. uh, Forge activates the giant gun, and they're like, "Hey." Man, that really sucked when you fired that gun like eight thousand years ago. But we got better, and like, but that was only like half a second in our time. Um, just, yep. just illuminating the fact that they have some sort of control over time because they have the time. Specifically, yeah. they don't have the time, time for some machine. reason works differently in the vault. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like uh, they talk about when you when you when you're approaching light speed, when you hit light speed, uh, time for you is not the same for everyone else. And we see the uh, potential repercussions. We see a, like a, a ghost rider getting taken down and that that's a big deal. And then yeah. boom. Okay. So that's what could happen. And then we get old, uh, 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 Chucky X there having a little drink ski there with a uh, forge. And now there's a lot of things that stuck out to me in this little exclamation marks that weren't really exclamation marks, but they stuck out to me as a writer. Uh, okay. They're having their drink and they're obviously, um, okay. So you see the Aurora Borealis, they're probably in Alaska or in Canada somewhere. Um, that's where it happens. Yep. And, oh, well then you're on, by the way, Charles, your telekinesis is, Stronger after resurrection? Yes. I when did Chuck die? Um, okay, so there's that, but the idea is that Chucky's resur- uh, resurrection equals stronger telekinesis. So yep. th- there's a little little sprout there, and uh, they're discussing you know what they're gonna do about the vault, and we get rewound, and um, Forge is pretty much created like. Would you say this is like kind of recollective of um, uh, Phantomix's world? What? Nah, I haven't I haven't read that too much after Phantomix began. But you, no, no, was it Fan, who has that? Is it's Phantomix that has that like ball that's always around him that like he rides in and it's got a whole different world inside of it. 
Um, Maybe. It's reminiscent of that to me. And so it's basically an illusion. uh, Like, it's it's a dome. Not a a dome. It's it's a full-on... You can tell that it's a sphere that goes into the ground that uh, collectivizes it. And um, basically is an illusion that they're out. The vault is open. They're out. But also, they think that they're out, but they're not really... Because the this uh, sphere they're encapsulated in is making them think that they're out and about and having fun and everything's good. They don't know that they're, yep. they're still captive. They're still a zoo. Uh, we have the problem that um, uh, Cinch is not there. And if you remember, this God, this was like a year and a half ago when Cinch and uh, mm-hmm. Cinch Proteus and uh, Wolverine uh, Laura went in and were stuck yep. there for like 300 years and that was just one issue and i remember like i, I remember like like going off about it with you on on uh, when we went over uh, on the show that like what yeah. what the heck man this was in the middle of x of swords and um like why why is this happening like th- i don't understand this like it didn't bother me but it it also it i think it did what it was supposed to do was to set someone like you and I that will find things like this and um, okay, there's something going on here. We're, we're, there, this is a slow yeah. burn. All right, so yeah, uh, the whole thing, the whole thing ends up being the knife because I didn't realize this was such a thing, and then freaking they restarted the X Men title. They were always like Cinch would mention it quite often about him and Laura being there together and them having a relationship and whatnot, but like. I don't remember, I wasn't reading when that happened. So I guess definitely some stuff I definitely want to go back and try to find. Or No, you'll find it. At, at least when they mention it, because freaking, I, maybe they didn't go into it at all. They did like not. Like I said, if it was all in one issue, it's like. They did not. They did not. I, I, I briefly talked about being like totally cheesed off about freaking like what is going on in this one issue. And you're like, dude, I'm yeah. not reading that. And I thought you're reading, you, I remember you specifically saying, uh, We've been talking about X of Swords. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. And um, it's it's totally fine. It, it, it's not me in any way shaming you for not keeping up with X because, uh, like we always say, the hunt abides. We got you caught up. Mm-hmm. We just got to get you X of Swords next. But um, so they're preparing for going in. But we've got Forge going in. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that really drives me nuts about this is because Forge is a sleeper cell to me. He's able to okay. create pretty much anything that he can think of. I mean, he made he's the one that made the pretty much um, unforgivable weapon, the gun that shoots you and you lose all your mutant powers forever. Yeah. And and they're like, why'd you make this? He's like, I don't know. I, I shouldn't have made it, but I did. Um, another little clue there. He does things like uh, like you know like freaking. Uh, this is such a terrible like base metaphor or analogy um you know Jurassic Park you know you know you did you ever stop to think that you should <laughs> like uh yeah and um well forge is their lone wolf going in and he's got some a uh, little bit of backup you know while he's going in uh they're yeah. they're and real quick you can remember too is he's not going in to grab he's going in there to get somebody out he's looking for Darwin that got stuck in there. Darwin, I kept saying uh, Proteus. My my apologies. Mm. Yeah, no, you're you're correct, but I don't believe that that's his intentions at all. 
I, I don't believe that's his intention at all. Especially after reading all the old school, like, Barry Windsor Smiths, when, like, Storm, like, basically ripped his heart right out of him. And um, mm-hmm. he turned into a different person. I don't believe this is a sound mind forge. I mean, I think his mind is sound. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. But I don't think he has true blue protect the X-Men, protect the world intentions on this. At all. Oh, he's very, yeah, he, he very much be like Beast in uh, X-Force right now where he's got his own agenda. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but Beast isn't I mean, man i'd be really worried if it was beast going this um yeah we'd have some major problems on this i mean like i mean we get the little a little nugget here where uh bobby's like if you want it to be uh he'll be on ice when you're back in a couple of centuries centuries excuse me you always were a bright kid bobby as this like would you call it like a techno organic suit encapsulates him and like wow what He's got the, uh, what's his end game in case he gets caught? Oh, the whole thing is he's got a, uh, one of his teeth is fake, and he's got a, um... It's not a side If he bites down on one of his back teeth, yeah, a black hole will come out and engulf anything in six meters on any side of him. That's a... Which is funny, though, like you pointed out earlier off the cast, that, uh... It's really funny that that's his go-to weapon when freaking the last black hole he created didn't do anything either. It didn't work. It didn't work. But thank you for remembering that. And I, I do dig uh, like his appearance uh, inside, but I do not like the fact that... Well, first off, another thing that sticks out to me is that while he's wandering around as, he, as he's getting to uh, the vault and... You probably don't have it handy, but if you pull out Spawn issue seven written by Frank Miller, when um, mm-hmm. Billy Kincaid first goes to hell, that's exactly what it looks like. They, really? Exactly what it looks like. They like including the pods. Like uh, Kincaid dies, Spawn kills him, and he wakes up in a pod just like that. Almost the same colors, just darker. Just, just if, if I was working on this, and if I loaded this photo uh, or screenshot into Photoshop, all I would have to do is up the contrast and the black point, and it would look just like where Billy Kincaid ended up in the third, if I, if I remember correctly, he was in the uh, second layer of hail. And, um, oh, wow. And that really sticks out. And then now that we know, um, he kidnapped um, Caliban. You see it in the X on him, the face. But it's just uh, a little unscrupulous that you would kidnap somebody as part of your uh, body arm. Like, they, like you're not there to help. <laughs> you're there to make sure I get back and not you. Yeah. And then, of course, we see um, um, not Proteus. I kept saying Proteus. I apologize. Um, what I assume is uh, the third guy that was left behind uh, when uh, Laura and uh, Cinch got out. What's his name? Um, oh, Darwin? Darwin. Yep. I can imagine him looking like that as he teleports into the light. Or not teleports, or flies into it. But uh, I, I back to the speculatory thing. Uh, this is actually how we first started talking tonight was that uh, get these books 
Um, they're pitter pattered. They're salt and peppered. They're secretly implanted, and I something big is gonna happen. It's on the horizon. I don't think it's in anytime soon. I think this is the last time we're gonna see anything about the vault for maybe like four months. I don't know because they're looking for Darwin right now. So once we get, once they find Darwin, we'll see what happens from there. But I think we're gonna at least finish that angle, get him out, hmm? or at least attempt to get Darwin out. Because we also have that interesting little thing, that tidbit, freaking, uh, we talked about it with Otherworld, where if a mutant dies in Otherworld, Done. they don't come back quite the same. Or, or... And with freaking, with this, uh, with the vault, does that mean the same thing? Like, what happens if you die in the vault? I bet it's the opposite. I bet this is the mutant version of Arako. Because this is this is different. I mean, like the children are supposed to be the next level evolution of uh, freaking uh, humankind, and it sticks mm-hmm. out in my mind because I just reread Old Man Logan. Was when um, Hawkeye and Logan are high telling her across uh, the Badlands and trying to get to uh, Washington D.C. Uh, Emma and Black Bolt save them and uh, in Doomsland, and uh, Emma's like, "Hey, uh, turns out that." Um, we were not the the next step in evolution. We were an accident. There hasn't been a mutant born in fifty years. In and 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 that's that was also right before Messiah Complex. But um, it just in regards to like a story arc and something wonderful in regards to how a story can go. But I mean, like. Krakoa and Arakau are they're of this world but not of but like the mutants are creating their own thing and the mutants are pretty damn responsible for this yeah. very responsible for this and uh, I think that uh, I don't, I'm not saying speculative like get it before it becomes expensive I'm saying get it because it's special but yeah. that's what I got on that one, man. Did, did I did I miss anything, man? I'm, I was ranting and raving. I apologize. No, you're good. I think you hit all the all the key points. You know, the, like the last thing, you know, he's talking with Caliban, talking about how he's going to explain on the way, and nobody's seeing, nobody knows they're there, but we see somebody looking up at him. So somebody knows there that Forge and Caliban are there. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, and you know, we get the little thing where, <coughs> yeah, excuse me, freaking uh-huh. Caliban with a uh, Caliban is like the last thing I remember is you and me having drinks, and here I am. Here I am. I can't, my, I can't feel my body. Forge slipped him a Mickey. Yeah, apparently Forge slipped him a Mickey and cut him out of his body. So it's uh. I'm not... Forge is apparently Forge is apparently willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Forge has always been willing to do whatever it takes, but he's never even pushed that far or this far or what I think is going to happen. Because I yeah. think, like, uh, I'm not too schooled on Caliban. I knew a little bit about him through uh, New X Men, but um, mm-hmm. was he really that uh, important to Light, like in Logan, in the books? Well, the- well, the whole thing with Caliban is that he is a mutant tracker. 
like his ability is to track any mutant anywhere and that's that's why he's being utilized here is to help track down where darwin's at i did not realize that thank you very much yep but uh the whole thing is that he was originally he was originally one of the morlocks and he was very tiny and frail and he like, he was in love with kitty pride and like was gonna force her to marry him and that didn't end up working out but the whole thing is a being that he um he's tired of being tiny and frail so he ends up going to apocalypse and willfully giving himself to apocalypse to become one of his horsemen that way apocalypse will make him strong and he gives him like super strength and enhances him to the point that he you know he ends up becoming a member of, or he ends up becoming a bigger deal and he uh, he becomes a horseman he ends up eventually leaving the horseman to join X-Force and in the in the late 90s and I'm, you know he's he's kind of a really a character that's used really sporadically but he's definitely kind of got a you know a cool little cool little story worth telling I can't remember seeing Calvin in at all in the past 2 years I mean but that's not my fault I mean I was thinking about it before I went to bed the other day like X-Men can honestly be a whole other imprint. Like, mm -hmm. like completely other whole imprint. Yeah, there's so many different X-Books and whatnot. But Not just the books, but the characters. Yeah. And there's, there's there's a million mutants right now, and freaking they're all... Running up. You know, we've got X... We've got, you know, we got regular X-Men. we got X-Men Unlimited. we got X-Men Green. we got X-Men Red. we got... We had the Marauders, we had the Marauders, we had the Hellions for a while, Excalibur, which became Knights of X, and X-Factor, and X-Force, and uh, Exterminators just started up, and Fallen Angels ended. Man, I miss there's the Marauders. A, there's just a lot, man. I miss the Marauders, man. That was the best one. <laughs> that was the best one. I don't know. I, I enjoyed Hellions, personally. Oh, nope, nope. I was thinking Hellions. I was thinking about... Nah, I called dibs. No, you know, the freaking little boy and the robot. Mama and the other robot. That was awesome. One of my favorite yep. comics ever. Well, uh, what do you got next, man? Oh, let's see. Let's, uh... <clears throat> let's go into... Uh, speaking of our love of first issues, let's go into Gotham City Year One. Oh, yeah. This is kind of a, a a noir story from old school Gotham. You know, we uh we have certain members. We got a, a couple members of the Wayne family. We have a, a Richard Bruce Wayne. He's a millionaire tycoon, and his lovely wife Helen Wayne. And they have a daughter who ends up being kidnapped. We're reading about this in the newspaper. Does it say what and year it is? Uh, let me see if it's got it on the paper here. Uh, March 12th, 1961. Oh, is this, man, I would kill to see an Elseworlds label on the front of this. Yeah, in the Blade. The Gotham Blade, apparently, is the name of the newspaper for five cents. And we see that, uh, Ace, Ace, uh, private investigator Slam Bradley is in his office. And uh, 
his his boy Johnny is telling him that a, a woman is here to address him, and uh, a black lady calling herself Sue walks in. S-I-O-U-X. Reason I say it. I'm sorry. S i o u x. Uh no, just Sue S u e. Oh my bad. I'm getting all so, perspective. Uh, you're good, but uh, I say that for I say her race for a specific reason. We'll get into later. Um, but she offers him a hundred dollars in 1961, and all he has to do is deliver an envelope to the Waynes, and he can't read it before they uh, before they do. And he's gonna turn this in and take it over there, and you know, she's like, he's like, you know, he's trying to figure out what this is all about. And she just says, I wouldn't know, sir. And just leaves the envelope and the money on the desk. She don't want nothing to do with it. He doesn't. And he ends up having his, uh, his guy, Johnny, follow her to get more information. It's always got to be a guy named Johnny. Is he a big dude? Yeah, he's an older gentleman. Cannot. He's got some size to him, but I wouldn't call him necessarily a big guy. He's not like a goon. No, nah, not, a, not a goon at all. But yeah, he, uh, you know, we, we get a little bit more about good old Gotham City. You know, uh, Slam Bradley grew up here. Only time he ever left town was to go to Korea for the war. You know, talking about how he, uh, how the play, you know, everybody took pride in the area he grew up in. But unfortunately, Gotham wasn't all, um, all that same, that same way. There were parts of Gotham that weren't as as good as the area he grew up in. And he ends up going to uh, Wayne Manor and knocking on, you know, as he tries to knock on the door, it's it's opened. And a gentleman with a gun um, you know, puts, uh, puts the gun to Slam's face. And turns out it's a couple of uh, guards that Slam knows and he's, you know, they're having a, a friendly little exchange, which ends up with a slam putting one of them up against the wall, and the other one, again, has a gun pointed to its back. And uh, as, as the gun gets pointed to Slam's head, Mrs. Wayne walks in. And, you know, he's just, you know, he breaks away from them and just says, I have, a, I have a letter to deliver. You know, I just need to drop this letter off and I'll be out of your hair. And she, and Miss, as Miss Wayne is on the staircase, she says, you know, what did you say? And she's just like, describe this letter. And as he does, a Mr. Wayne walks in. And they end up, you know, they're all in hit, they're in, in Mr. Wayne's study. And they talk about how their daughter, uh, the letter says that the daughter's unharmed. But if you bring the cops into this, she won't be. How was the letter written? Was it was it handwritten, typed? Was it one of those like old school like magazine clip out things? We never actually see the letter in and of it. We see the back of the letter, but we don't see the actual letter itself. So from the from the excerpts to where we can actually read it, it looks like it's typed. Right. So I would I would assume the letter itself is the same way. But yeah, they talk about how. Uh, you know, 
they're supposed to give the money to Slam, and he's supposed to handle the rest, basically, according to the letter. And uh, the Waynes turn away, and then the uh, the two security guards enter the room, and they end up, you know, as as they're putting gloves on their hands, they end up putting a beating on good old Sam or good old Slam. You know, and the Waynes are just kind of. The Wayne's kind of go into the story a little bit more, talking about how their uh, their nurse, Miss Lake, um, was watching their daughter, also named Helen, and she was you know, asleep in her nursery. And then it turns out that she turned around and she wasn't she wasn't there, and they couldn't find her anywhere in the house. She got job And then, yeah. Mrs. Wayne notes that her and her husband sleep in separate bedrooms. So there's no love. And yeah, and nobody knew what had happened to their daughter. And they've basically gone out of their way to leave the uh, leave the room untouched since uh, their daughter's been gone. All they could tell was that the window was open, and they assumed that it was a cool night, so Miss Lake had left it left it open for. Her. The crib's undisturbed, but they could still see the imprint of where their daughter had been lying down. And they uh, her favorite blanket with an owl on it was also missing. Personally, I didn't think that was a nod to the Court of Owls. Right. And turned out uh, underneath the underneath the crib was a white envelope. And freaking, she's like, I'm sure you'd recognize it, Mr. Bradley. So as uh, as Mrs. Wayne continues the story, talks about her husband going out there with a gun to find find her daughter, find their daughter, and they ended up finding the ladder that had been used to get into the second story of their house. Right. But so there's no other evidence. weren't weren't the talons established around that time that they would not need a ladder? Well, I mean, doesn't necessarily just because the court, like, like I said, it might have been a nod of the court of owls with the blanket itself, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the uh, the court of owls that kidnapped their daughter, nor does it mean that they themselves are not members of the court of owls. So we're still within noir territory. I get it. Cool. Oh yeah, I love, I love it. Keep sorry. I don't know, but that's that's actually when they got their security to uh, make sure this kind of stuff didn't happen again. So they wanted to make sure that uh, discretion was definitely handled here. And she talks about how she spent the night in tears. And then we see the letter, we see another letter and uh, I'll read it real quick. It says have $100,000 to pay for child. Child is safe, but won't be safe if you don't pay. Don't you tell anyone. Don't tell police so she stays safe. I want to give child back safe for the money. I write here more soon. You know it is true by me with my mark here. And underneath is the mark, which is a tiny bat. I write here more soon. So not someone that's educated enough to like continue a, like a proper sentence. Either that or that's the play. 
Hello. Somebody did it on purpose. So, Mrs. Wayne has taken to calling this the person who wrote this the Batman. Uh, it turns out it was her husband that actually Nate labeled them originally, since they used a childish little bat symbol for the uh, for the marking. So then the names. So we read the rest of the letter here, and it says, I write so you know Slam Bradley is to help me. You give him money, and he give it me. I give him child. Child safe, but want home. Mrs. Mommy, make her sick. Give Slam, give Slam money, so child good. I tell him where I meet. If there is police, child not safe. No police. $100,000 in small money. Fives, tens, twenties. No counting money. More to come with the signal of the bat. What year did you say it was again? 1961. 20s are not small monies at that time. 20s are big monies at that time. Uh, fives are decently big monies at that time. Uh, like, like people had change purses at that time. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm smelling like, is someone framing Solomon Grundy? Because... But he can't write or read. I mean, it's, I mean, it's it. Well, that's the thing. They're they're trying to come off as undereducated, right? And we've already dictated with the with it being the '60s and the way they describe uh, Sue who came in that there is, you know, a, a separation in the classes based on race. Dropping my pencil. So that's that's definitely what they're shooting for as far as putting the blame on somebody at the moment. Yeah, but they're, you know, they asked Slam about his involvement, and he's just like, I don't know. I have, you know, he's basically, I have no idea why I'm being involved in this at all. And Miss, you know, Miss Wayne's just like, I don't care. Like, just get my kid back, do whatever, whatever it takes to make it happen. And if you don't, you'll, you know, you'll pay. And she's like, you don't understand, Mr. Bradley, I will have my daughter back. So where's the power? So, yeah. So the slams leaves the Wayne Manor. He's walking in the rain. You know, and he's you know he's driving back past uh, the railway into the south side of Gotham, and he's just talking about how it's a a different environment than where he grew up in other parts of Gotham. Did it say where he did? Like, did he come from a rich place, or is he, or did his like poor place turn poorer? I would assume it's just uh, probably middle class. I would assume, judging gotcha. by his occupation. Gotcha. You, you gotta, uh, you gotta forgive me when it comes to noir. Like, like, like when it comes to noir, I'm sniffing. Like it's, it's, it's a constant sniff, sniff. Yeah. That's what you gotta yeah. do. Yeah. But, but yeah, they definitely bring up the fact that uh, you know, people in the you know people in South Gotham wanted to be safe and prosperous as anywhere else in Gotham. But he's like the people that say that are, you know. For them, it means besides just white. So they definitely wanted to Push. to up it up it to their to their standards, basically. Right. You know, as he is uh, as he's walking along, he finds a, a dead body on the you know in the, looks like they're working on a new building, and at the at the bottom of this building is there's just a, a dead body there. 
was a, of a, a guy named Jonathan Dawson, born in 1891, and turns out he's a he's a he's a PI as well. And freaking, actually, that's that's his partner, the one that freaking was following Sue, right? And you know, so they're calling. They've been calling Slam for the last two hours, trying to figure out where you know what happened. And freaking the cops are there trying to talk to him, and the whole time he's just trying to make sure that whoever kidnapped the Wayne's his daughter isn't you know doesn't real doesn't think that Slam's going to the cops because if he does, the girl's dead, and if the girl's dead, Slam's dead. You know, if you talk to the cops, the girl's dead. You know, Helen Wayne, the princess of Gotham. And the last scene is her, him just being like, her life's in my hands now. While this cop's being like, your partner just turned up dead in Negro Town. Shot with your gun. Where you been all day, Slam? That hits heavy, man. I haven't heard the word Negro in forever. Yeah. And... I'm not saying that disrespectively. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, that's such a, it's such a, a dated it, term. It's a dated slur. I mean, like, I don't even imagine it even started as a slur. I mean, I'm sure some people did use it as a slur, but um, mm-hmm. it, it's like back in the '90s, if you called someone that was fat obese, that was the correct term to call them. You call someone obese now, you're in trouble. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm I'm just talking in terms of timeline. What was a, appropriate then, not appropriate now. Plus, we're working within pure noir. I assume this is pure black label, right? Actually, it's not. It doesn't have anything about black label on it. Funny enough, What's, let me check the back real quick. How uh, uh, how good is it's the, just a it's, a, it's just a regular issue. How 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 good is the paper quality? Is it thicker? Like like stain it with your your thumbprint right away like music like really good quality. No. Oh man, I just you know it feels like it should be a black label book, but it's not. Well, if it's not it's a got black... the DC logo on it, freaking nothing, nothing dictating it as black label. If it's not a black label book, I kind of I'm kind of glad it isn't because nothing you said was like too lurid or pulpy. The way like mm-hmm. old school noir would be like um, when I think noir, I think um, Dizzy Dame, you know, very little music. It like this the story takes a while to develop. It's a lot of conversation, and we did yeah. get, we did get that. But it's also like a lot of twists and turns in terms of the fact that like they've tried to do noir with Batman a million times. And, and yeah. retell the origin story, or flip flop this or that. But like, we there's no Bruce, there's no Thomas, there's no Martha, and uh, Batsy here is the the baddie. And I think this is gnarly, dude. Thank you for bringing that to our, our attention. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a solid read so far. <clears throat> but yeah, um, <laughs> that man, that was a really good one man like uh i'm a sucker for noir man i absolute sucker for noir like uh 
But that's neither here nor there. Uh, what do you want to do next, man? You want to go straight just in uh, uh, Batman and uh, bring it home with uh, two more? Uh, yeah, do you want to do the lead on that one? I haven't. I read this one a while ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, guess is, I think we're still on failsafe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we're still on failsafe. Um, with this one, I don't want to... I didn't like it. Really? It's like Doom 2.0. Plus uh, Ultron. But at the same time, though, uh, I had the same feeling about not wanting to like what I was reading when I was reading the new um, uh, Chips of Darcy Joker Man Who Stopped Laughing. I immediately mm-hmm. went in and unfortunately, unfortunately, I went into these books. Well, I went into Joker not wanting to like it, but with Batman, uh, I was like, this is just Doom 2.0. And I don't feel that you and I uh, can make a cohesive analysis of the story for probably maybe two more issues because I feel like this is just doom. You know, like every contingency Batman had, including against himself and sealed off uh, Gotham, which really chapped me because I really hated that in the last Bane storyline. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like, because it, it was so uh, disjointing. All of a sudden, Bat- uh, Gotham sealed off. It just happened, and it we got a little bit more introductory into it just happening, like three issues. But like, I don't, I don't want to go into any of into too much of Batman until we have a little bit more sugar and spice, or like we were talking earlier. Like, um, I can't remember what wrestler we were talking about. Like, uh, they 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 had everything. Like, you make jambalaya. There's like 15 ingredients, but you forget. Like one, you forget even the celery, or or like you know like something's it's good but something's not there. Um, I, I don't I don't want to seem ignorant on that one. I just it's coming off as Doom two point Um, one of my favorite stories, but it, yeah, uh, it kind of chapped me, and I don't like the, of course a uh, a cover that in no way signifies what's actually going to happen. I mean, I do see them going into the fire, but uh, but that's Tim. And honestly, the second I saw Babs all pinned up and mind-controlled, like I was I was done. Like, don't you ruin anything with her and Diggy. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't you dare do that. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I liked it so far. I thought it was good. Freaking, I like, I mean... Why wouldn't there be? Why wouldn't Batman have a failsafe? Because that's, that's what he does. Against, but you know, it's, it's smart against himself. They didn't really do that in Doom. You know, this is this is probably what he did after Tower of Babel. You know, this instead of having those things, yeah, but like in a, just grabbable, he put it into a, something else, right? You know, and fail like failsafe's kind of grown on me. I didn't care for it at the first, but he's kind of. It's an interesting idea that Batman would create a, basically a killer robot. That could kill it, him it, too. It, seem, it seems kind of out of place, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it's kind of, it kind of shows that Batman, like, Batman is kind of a jerk because he freaking, he screwed up once with Tower of Babel, and then he went out of his way to fix it, 
by doing the exact same thing. Right. Because, of course, he's Batman, and at the end of the day, he's obsessed with his mission. That's why he can never be happy, because if he's happy, he couldn't be Batman. Exactly. So that kind of fits fits with his character that he'd have a backup plan because his backup plan didn't work and yeah I screwed it you know I screwed up you know messed up things with my friends but this will work and it didn't this will work too and the robot has completely encapsulated Gotham yeah you know and it's you know that's always it's interesting and then freaking you know and he's over here trying to figure out a way to basically outthink the machine that knows his every thought you know and then he and then of course the machine ends up taking over all of Gotham you know but Batman has to figure out that he's freaking how am I gonna you know handle this and it's by getting the heck out of Gotham and he ends up freaking him and Tim freaking take off to freaking to try to get away and he's like you know if I if I do this you know, if I, you know, if I stay on this plane, I'm just going to endanger more people because he's going to find me. So he ends up jumping out of this plane into the water. And, you know, of course, Aquaman's there and he takes him back to Atlantis. And it takes him two weeks to, to get healed to the point where he can freaking even regain consciousness. That, that's a lot, man. Yeah. You know, and then we see that there's a you know a couple a couple heroes still standing in Gotham. You know, we got the Signal, we got Cassandra Kane. You know, of course, it's going to be good old Cassandra. Freaking, uh, but we see that the uh, that failsafe still lighting the bat signal because you know, he wants Batman to come for him, and uh, that's of course that's what they're going to do. And he just, you know, he's doing that. And he's also telling Batman, you know, Gotham's mine now. You want it? Come get it. Do you think the robot wants to be beat? The, the robot wants what? Do you think the robot wants to be beat? Do you think Failsoft, Failsafe wants to be defeated? I don't know if he necessarily wants to be beat, but I think he definitely wants to be challenged. Like, he wants, I mean, he... I mean, he's a robot. Does he really want for anything, really? I guess, but yeah. like, I think he. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's the point. Maybe this whole thing is something that Batman instituted as like a failsafe for his own mind, or a challenge, where he has to outthink this robot to truly, to truly win, or evolve. Like, if he could outthink somebody that knows his every move, he's gonna, you know. He's, you know, he wins, basically. That's wonderful. If this is a story where Batman is trying to outthink himself to be a better crime fighter, I mean, because, like, he, failsafe goes straight to the places that uh, Wayne owns and traps the Bat family. So, mm -hmm. like I said, uh, old uh, Dick is trapped there. And uh, yeah. if, if you're going to ruin one of my favorite romances that has ever happened in cinema literature or comic books and you put dick and babs in pro in trouble or peril i, mm -hmm. I like uh, it's it chappy man oh, but but it, well, it, i think the thing too you gotta think too going back to your point it reminds you of tower of babel or you know D doom from the animated yeah from the animated movies there's that aspect of it 
as well as the fact that he takes over the city, which is reminiscent of City of Bane. Yes, it is. So what if that's the entire point, is freaking putting Batman back in these situations to the point where, you know, how are you going to survive it this time? You survived it once. Can you survive it twice? What if it really is Batman testing Batman? That would be awesome. If that's where this is going, absolutely. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Like, because I... I mean, we've had instances where someone similar... And suddenly it's the robot, too, so it also adds in Brother Eye. Oh. So that's, that's three separate huge parts of Batman history from the last 20 years that you can really kind of... Number four, when, sink Rid- your teeth into. when Riddler took over. Yeah, that's Batman year one. That doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was year zero, actually. Yeah, that was was year, year they, it was year zero. That was awesome. I really like that. That, that That's actually my favorite Riddler story, but uh, yeah. other than a Gotham City Siren story. But uh, uh, before we get into Joker and wind things down, I want to go into a couple of my runner-ups here. It is uh, Old Dog uh, by uh, Declan Shalvey uh, with Clayton Cowles. And uh, it's uh, Red Act 1, Issue 1. This is a... Uh, uh, every now and then, I get a wild hair for... I, I'm not a Bond guy. Like, like uh, I've seen one Daniel Craig uh, Bond movie. I've seen two of them. Oh, I thought you said you weren't into blondes. Okay, gotcha. Oh, no, you know, you know absolutely well I'm into blondes. Uh, <laughs> um, we're not going to go in there. Um, but freaking, uh, I, I, I don't... Like, the... the the spy aspect has never been my favorite thing. If you okay. if you do something great, I'm always up for a good story. But uh, they're starting out pretty well in this. Uh, we've got a um, uh, we've got a great quote at the beginning. I can try to make up for what went wrong. That's got to count for something by uh, Jack Lynch. I don't know who that is, but um, basically, we see a gentleman sneaking in. I mean, this is a a lot of flashbacks from what I am seeing in this. Uh, old grizzled vet. His whole family's been destroyed. Uh, he's been assigned to desk duty. He's the guy that gets assigned to the crap duties, and he's the vet watching the uh, young bloods. And uh, they go in and into this mansion and um, freaking or factory actually, and um, they're trying to make sure no one gets out, but someone actually gets in. His two guys on foot go in. We're not here in ten minutes call for backup but he of course he doesn't he goes in and uh there's a large uh it's it's supposed to be a new um energy machine of course it's it's an energy machine you know uh freaking uh gi joe weather weather control device uh some other cold fusion thing they, they don't they don't go into it but it basically blows up and uh he gets a knife to the face and wakes up eight years later and uh, oh, wow. I think what's going on is that the uh, uh, who are they? Who is he working for? It's uh, one of those generic names of the. Uh, we work for uh, Black Forest or Black Flag, and uh, it's it's one of those. And you you're on desk duty, and you're the only option we got. You're gonna do this, or you're back to the desk, and you've been asleep for eight years. And but he's seeing in the mirror. 
uh, a young man, but he's still, like, old. And he's having these flashbacks that he doesn't know, and if we don't know, are actual flashbacks, or what's going on, or dreams. And uh, his, um, basically, Black Widow, red-headed ninja shot him in the face to make sure that he doesn't kill the mark uh, because he took his earpiece out and because um, he didn't want to hear him. And she put a bullet through his cheek to make sure that, that he didn't kill the mark because halfway through the mission, he didn't know that they were supposed to let him go. Uh, it's, it's a back and forth, and uh, it's brilliantly illustrated. Um, I'm really happy with it. Uh, flawed is a uh, issue number one. Uh, if I didn't mention it, old dog is also issue number one. Flawed issue number one uh, by uh, written by Chuck Brown, art by F Frenzy, not Frenzy, lettering by Becca Carey. Uh, the digital art and this is gorgeous. Uh, Future City, everyone that comes here is it's like going to New York, bright-eyed star. You get off the bus. I want to be a star. I want to be part of this city. And there is a, um, this, uh, beautiful woman is a therapist and she is basically taking down all of the people that her patients are telling her have hurt their families. And not <clears throat> only is she doing this, but she's slaughtering them and like it's not just a quick bullet to the head uh there is a notorious uh pedophile sex ringleader named the skinwalker that um she finds immediately like like it's not like issue five or issue six like we're building the you know the first story arc now she finds him pretty pretty fast and the yeah and the detectives are like you know like you think this is skinwalker like no nah, he didn't do this and, like, what if it is the Skinwalker and the guy laying there completely flayed? Like, completely... Like, you ever heard the uh, term degloved? Like, where, like... No. Where, like, someone, like, got all the skin ripped off their hand and it's just pure bone and muscle. All the skin's gone. His body's been completely degloved. Um, oh, jeez. Okay. He's hanging... And he's he's still alive. And um, but the the little it, it's a it's a quick tale. We're we're getting somewhere fast. Uh, I think one of the main points of this is enjoying the beautiful, delicious uh, digital art in this. But the guy hanging there is the Skinwalker, and now they're after someone that's targeting people that hurt people. So that that that's my take on that. That's that's my armchair Monday. That's my Monday Monday uh, afternoon armchair booking on that one. It might be a bad story. It might be good. It's got great potential. However, if you're just in the beautiful art, uh, just glorious digital art. Man, did they nail it! It was such such well execution. But uh, the last one I got, man, is Joker. All right. Do you, you got any more than that? I don't think we're good. We can finish up with this one. Yeah, Joker's, Joker's a good one. It'll, it'll be the finale of a 154-ski. Yep. 
Yeah, no, we start out in this restaurant with these uh, three guys. I'm assuming they're gangsters eating. Gangsters. Keep dropping this pen. And turns out that uh, this is four days ago. And turns out that uh, this dude, he turns over his soup and turns out there's uh, pieces of a body in it. There's an ear. And a guy comes out, and one of their one of their guys comes out, named Marco, and he just covered in his own blood and falls down dead as a doornail. They run into the uh, kitchen. <laughs> no hope. <laughs> no. Run into the kitchen, and there's the uh, good old chef Joker asking how the soup tastes. Gordon Jorsky. And then two days later, Joker Jorsky. We get a group of captives here, and we have the Joker uh, slits a guy's throat, and it's a bunch of again a bunch of bunch of gangsters, and we see a bunch of a bunch of villains and henches, but the uh, the villains in question are Black Mask, Two Face, and Riddler. Been a while since we had some Black Mask. Oh, that's true. And uh, they're basically just saying that, you know, we've done well without the Joker here because he's been busy gallivanting, as you'll see in the last Joker series, going out across the world. And you know, Joker's basically trying to be like, hey, I'm back. And they're basically saying nobody wants you here. But yeah, they just end up basically turning their back on Joker and Joker's kind of kind of freaks him out a little bit his his lack of fear is just egregiously against anything they believe in like he the way he shows up and he's like yeah I've been gone and you guys have screwed everything up you have taken all the art out of gangsterism out of being a criminal and I don't like it and they're like well we're gonna kill you, and he's like, "Fine, do it. I don't care." <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and and he he's 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 off in all these head uh, mafioso uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Goodfellas here, and uh, pulls out this big old pink gun. It turns out with the uh, water gun. But one thing I didn't notice well uh, until we were uh, speaking here is that he drops the gun, and he clearly has a forty-five, like on his belt in the back like just mm -hmm. just there and there's one particular guy he just leaves for last and yep. but how do you <clears throat> i mean like you're let, let's say you're carmine falcone and you and your like three or four goons are at dinner and joker shows up and you all freeze you're pretty much caught with your pants down. Your boys pull their guns out. He's like, ah, like everything's poisoned. Um, even you were like, all right, let's 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 deal with this and let's let's have a yeah. conversation. But the Riddler, Black Mask, and freaking Two Face, including all their henches, just pucker up, <laughs> like 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 yeah. just it just a full mass pucker, and um. Joker, 
offs this one last uh, poor uh, goon here, and uh, him and his baseball, and, and that's one thing that like that, that there's never stray, there's never a stray anything when it comes to Joker. Why are they yeah, in baseball outfits? Why are they in baseball outfits? Um, and um, forgive me, like I take point on this because like what like they end up in L.A., but like the guy that like got the bullet in the head, the last guy, like. Because it, 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 I started make it made me start thinking of uh, one of the guys that uh, I brought up countless times that they never done anything with in Marvel is the Zodiac, the guy with the bag over his head and the suit, and he's got the lock around his neck. And I'm like, who's mm-hmm. who is this? Is it Brucey? Is it did, did he see this coming? I mean, because this has got to be canon because, like we've talked before, I feel like the more popular the book the more DC decides that it's going to be canon. Be canon, yeah. It's it's the same logo from when Tinian took over. I almost didn't I almost didn't read this because it, I felt like I would have been trying to date a girl that looked like the last one just to reminisce. Uh, luckily, I, I, I plowed ahead. Uh, but, like, like, what am I missing here? Like, okay, so Homeboy wakes up, kills those two Joker goons that don't know what to do because one of the victims is still alive and then what joker ends up in la well that's the thing like i said he does there are two guys the two joker goons trying to bury this guy and turns out he's a lot less dead than they thought and freaking this goon this guy ends up killing both of them and just either walking into arkham asylum or walking out of arkham asylum and then, like you said, we end up we're in L.A. And turns out that the uh, the Joker just is talking to this guy. Freaking, he wants control. And freaking, this guy's just like, you know, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And Joker just kicks him out of the window of his multi, you know, floored office. And he's like, I just want your, I, want, I need your building. What's your office? He just kills the guy and takes his office. And then he ends up getting uh, getting on national television, no easy and bas- basically saying, "Hey, I'm gonna show the world what I uh, you thought guy on Gotham with small peanuts compared to what I'm gonna do to literally the rest of the world." Right. You know, and the best part is freaking going through all the people watching on TV. You know, we've got Lex Luthor watching, and then. Harley, you know, Harley freaking is watching and she's just like, what the F is this? You know, we see Red Hood walking by some TVs in Gotham and freaking he's watching it. And then we go back to the guy with the uh, the bag over his head. You know, he walks in, you know, this guy walks into a bar so he can kind of check things out and walks into a bathroom and there's this guy on the can and the guy pulls a knife on him and stabs him. See, see, and then this, before we get in any further, someone's in here, man. Like, okay. So the guy's in a stall and you see what he's doing. Going to the bathroom. No, he's shooting up. There's a needle in his arm. Oh, gotcha. There's a needle in his arm, but someone's in here, man. The guy with the bag over his head 
open the door into the bathroom with multiple stalls. And old uh, heroin uh, Harry here uh, has his stall door open. <laughs> like, who does anything in a bathroom with a stall door open? I, I just wanted to point that out, man. It's like, like yeah. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. A little bit. But yeah, he ends up stabbing this guy, the guy with the bag boy, with a knife in the stomach. And then this guy ends up killing him. And he, you know, goes over to the sink and starts washing up a little bit, then decides he's gonna, you know, take the knife that he tried to kill him with and remove, you know, the bag on his head. And as we see the news playing and the, the Gotham news playing in the background, talking about, you know, again, if you're just catch joining us, this is a scene just moments ago, as the man known only as the Joker launched his largest and most terrifying plan ever. And the guy with the bag over his head reveals himself to be the Joker. And he's just like, who does the guy have to kill around to get a drink around here? And the last little, little um, blurb here is, I'm afraid I'm not in on the joke anymore. So it looks like we currently have two Jokers. So it'll be... Uh, It'll be fun to see what's going on with that. A facsimile. A copy. And I, I really like the detail in the uh, little tete-a-tete with little heroin Harry here. Um, mm-hmm. That the fact that Joker's washing his hands and that this decrepit, less than an Exxon gas station in freaking uh, Nowheresville, Kansas has a stopper in the sink. <laughs> like... I don't know why that stood out to me. Um, like, of all the things they took for sanitary reasons, there's a hair stopper. And uh, we've got Joker that's just, I guess, immune? Or, or like, like, like I, I feel like it's it's got to be some new made-up word of what, what the Joker is. Like, the way the tick is nigh invulnerable. Um Obviously, the Joker can probably be killed. You cut his head off, or just boil him in acid, or just you know burn his bones, maybe. But um, yeah, then we get into this awful, like, like uh, how did this side story happen? Like, he's in a jetpack fighting against Power Girl, and granted, I love Power Girl, uh, but then it's a little side story. Yeah, I'm sure it's a joke. Capering around and eventually uh, has a little lunch with Power Girl. Um, I don't like it. Number one, because that's my girl. I mean, um, uh, what I meant to say was um, it was a bad story. No, no, just I like Power Girl <laughs> a lot. Jen Walters is gonna be pissed. Oh, no, no. She's going to be fine. She knows where I'm going. She knows where I go home to. Love you, baby. <laughs> Dude, I send kisses to that poster all the time. It's ridiculous. It's gross. I, I freaking love that poster. I, I've, I've had Cindy Crawford posters. I've had Alanis Morissette. Uh, but I never sent kisses to any of them. But old Jennifer Walters is getting a lot of them. That's why I put it real high. Anyway, 
For th- for those not watching the YouTube account, <laughs> I am judging harshly. Mm. Harshly. Mm. Harshly. It's okay. I haven't done anything wrong. Again. For those not watching us on Twitch, I am judge- judging very harshly. <laughs> Our TikToks are on fire. Oh, uh, I, I hear it's on fleek or whatever them kids are saying. <laughs> it just I need to start a TikTok account where it's just me judging people. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would probably make a lot of money. I think so. Yeah, we just like you just, just you, you just me judging harshly. You judging it like just like uh while we're on the hunt, like just me following with Bridget just and this is how Tony feels about this cover. Like we we hand the uh homie over at uh freaking all seas like thirty bucks to like do 30 bucks worth of damage you're just grabbing one <laughs> you could make money I've heard I've heard of weirder things making money on the internet with face facts oh yeah but there's one thing very important about tonight it is our first is it free taco night uh, it is our first absolutely completely a boiler-friendly episode. I've gotten... I have not had to pay you one dollar for this episode for slipping a accidental uh, uh, R-rated word. That's true. After, after your epic climax last week. <laughs> well, I mean, I do want people to buy New Era shirts. I mean, like, yeah, but... Family friendly. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize to all my friends and family. I uh, shouldn't have done that. That is true. <laughs> your turn or my turn? Uh, I think it's your turn. I did it last week. Yeah. Guys, this is Minefields. Issue 154. Established 2019. Tony joined 2020. Freaking, it is Halloween ski. We just gave you some amazing content. We hope you liked it. But we also gave you some suicide puppets. Psycho of the week. Uh, but this is dangerous. And this transmission is over. Find your wear t-shirts. Bubba booey, bubba booey. And on fleek. <laughs> on fleek. 